uh, it really fits in well as a visual illustration of what I want to talk about today. So um, thank you everyone who's been involved so far this morning. Uh, we've been talking over the last few weeks about empowering and James started us off um, by talking about the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit works in terms of God sending his Holy Spirit to us to to make a difference in our lives and to empower us. And uh, he traced through from the Old Testament to the New uh, the kind of people that God works in and how God works and us being filled with his Spirit. And I want to take it from that point and move on to look at the kind of things that God does with us then once he's filled us with his Spirit and particularly to talk about the gifts that God gives us and why he gives them to us. So we're going to look at that. I'm not going to cover all of this because there's another topic or so to come looking at gifts as well. But just to give a starting point to look at the gifts that God gives us as his people empowered by his spirit. And uh, so we're going to start in the book of Acts. And this is a passage that I think James used, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. This is Jesus talking to disciples. He says this, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of of the earth. So this is Jesus who's promising the Holy Spirit to come before he goes to be with the Father. And this is the Holy Spirit promised. So not here yet, not with us in the same way we experience today, but anticipated by Jesus. The next passage we see, um, just the next chapter, is when the Holy Spirit has actually arrived. And so there's a group of people waiting on God. They're together in one place. And we read this story in the book of Acts about how the Holy Spirit comes into people's lives uh, in, the, in a group for the first time in this way. And the Bible says this, On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were together meeting in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven, like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Now, if this passage is new to you, they weren't just speaking in other languages as a gimmick or uh, something like that. Around them were people from all different nationalities who'd gathered in Jerusalem at that time for a feast, the Pentecost feast, and uh, as they, which is a Jewish festival. And as these early Christian believers began speaking out God's praise in different languages that they hadn't learnt. Uh, but that as God was giving them the ability to, suddenly all these people around them started listening and saying, wow, that's, that's amazing. These people are speaking my language. I can hear what they're saying and understand it, even though they're mostly Galileans, they're mostly from the north, but I still I can understand it, and I'm from a different country. Not just I'm from the south and they're from the north and they've got a funny accent, but they speak a different language, and they're speaking my language. And this is amazing. And, and then Peter, one of the disciples, gets up and, uh, I think this is the next one, begins to explain to these Jewish people around what it is that's going on, what's happening. And he, he explains that actually this was an ancient promise that is being fulfilled in this day. That the listeners are witnessing and hearing something that's incredible that the, the nation had waited hundreds and hundreds of years for. And he's saying this, uh, this is what Peter stands up and says, no, this, these people aren't drunk, which is what they were being accused of being. He says, it's only nine o'clock in the morning. The, what you're seeing today was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. 
Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I'll pour out my spirit, even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. That's interesting. Prophesying is normally understood to be speaking on God's behalf, proclaiming a message from God to people. And uh, speaking in tongues is speaking in languages you've never learned. And Peter says what these people are doing, speaking in tongues, is linking with this passage in Joel. They're actually fulfilling it today. It's an interesting one, isn't it? But what they're actually doing is they're proclaiming the word of God. It just happens to be in a different language. And it's like this double application of tongues and prophecy in one go. But Peter's saying, this what you're seeing is that that was promised. This is it. This is the moment. It's come. It's arrived. And I want to take us from there, because I think we've said that over the last couple of weeks. I want to take us on from that point now. Because this sense of speaking on God's behalf is, is seen throughout the book of Acts. This is what early Christians do. And we don't just see it in one or two people, but we see this fulfilled. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Uh, men and women alike, they'll prophesy. They'll speak forth my word. In Acts chapter 21, this is Paul going on a journey. And it says, this is Luke writing. It says, the next day we went on to Caesarea and stayed at the home of Philip the Evangelist. Uh, an evangelist is someone who tells good news, tells the good news about Jesus. Uh, Philip the Evangelist, one of the seven men who'd been chosen to distribute food. He had four unmarried daughters who had the gift of prophecy. So we, Paul is going to Peter's, uh, Philip's house, and they're staying there, and he's got four daughters, all of whom can prophesy, and they've been given this gift of speaking out on God's behalf. And that's what they do. Several day la days later, a man named Agabus, who also had the gift of prophecy, arrived from Judea. He came over, and, and what proceeds then is that this man gives Paul a prophecy, a particular prophecy. So he's staying at Philip's house, four daughters who prophesy, who speak on God's behalf, and then he goes to uh, a different place, and Agabus is then coming from Judea, and he gives Paul a, a particular word. He takes Paul's belt and wraps Paul up in it and says, this is what God says is going to happen to you. And so the story goes on. Uh, as Paul's going to a, a different place, he's on his way to Jerusalem. And Agabus is saying, don't go. It's going to be dangerous. And everywhere, actually, everywhere Paul goes, people say, don't go. It's going to be dangerous. The Holy Spirit keeps saying, don't go. It's going to be dangerous. And Paul still goes uh, because he's compelled has a sense of, of God leading him there. So prophecy, we've got uh, women and men prophesying in that passage, which is interesting, which is what was promised. Sons and daughters will prophesy. Uh, these people all alike receiving the Holy Spirit and being empowered. My message really simply today is you're empowered by God and uh, that God gives gifts to be used. Uh, similarly, going on from there, this is Acts 18. Uh, a Jew named Apollos, an eloquent speaker who knew the scriptures well, that would have been the Old Testament scriptures, had arrived in Ephesus from Alexandria in Egypt. He'd been taught the way of the Lord, and he taught others about Jesus with an enthusiastic spirit and with accuracy. How many of you know that's unusual to get that enthusiasm and that pinpoint accuracy? However, he knew only about John's baptism. That was John the Baptist who came before Jesus. That's the only baptism that Apollos had heard of, even though he's a great speaker and he's speaking about Jesus. Uh, when Priscilla and Aquila heard him preaching boldly in the synagogue, they took him aside and explained the way of God even more accurately. Later on, I've put this, this verse compiled. It says, Apollos proved to be 
of great benefit as he continues to preach and continues to teach. So we've got a gifted teacher, someone who's carrying the gift of teaching. They are a teaching gift to the church, but his revelation is only in part. And so Priscilla, Aquila, it's likely they're a married couple. They appear later on um, because a church meets in their home. Uh, And so Priscilla and Aquila take, Priscilla's the lady, Aquila's the guy, they, they take Apollos, this gifted teacher, to one side and go, mate, you're preaching really well, but there's a bit missing. There's actually the whole chunk missing that you don't understand yet. And they teach him and explain to him the way of God. And then Apollos, this great teacher, goes on and teaches again. And it's a great benefit. And so we see a private use of that gift and a public use of that gift. And these people are using this ability to teach in a particular way. One publicly two privately and together the church is being built up there's there's lots more stories as we read through of stories of different gifts being used where peter and john are on the way to the temple and they see a man who's sick and they heal him Uh, stories where paul is preaching and a girl is following him uh, and she's calling out stuff and uh, she's saying what we might think would be really good things to hear she's saying that what paul's saying is true and he's preaching the way of the lord but Paul knows that actually she's not speaking from God. She's speaking from an evil spirit. And day after day after day goes by until finally Paul says, come out of her. Let her go. And, and she's released from the control of this spirit and, uh, and her life is changed as a result. We see all sorts of different things through the book of Acts as people are using these gifts that weren't theirs, but that God has given them. And that's a key point. This isn't something that someone happened to be naturally good at. But God has given them these gifts and empowered them. And I want to go to the book of Romans for a particular chunk of time now. So Romans chapter 12. And the book of Romans, uh, Andrew read from it earlier. It's a great book unpacking what it means to be a Christian. And Paul in this Romans chapter 12 says some really powerful things Uh, and we'll come on to those now as we look at what it means to have these gifts of the Holy Spirit I'm going to read from verse 1 verses 3 to 5 I think are on the screen and so dear brothers and sisters I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you that's just going to pause that's exactly what we've been talking about today isn't it we've been talking about devotion to God and offering ourselves back to God Uh, Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you're better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. He goes on there to talk about the gift, the specific gifts, but it's important to lay this foundation first. Now, just quickly have a look around you, where you're sitting. Have a, just have a look at the beautiful people either side. You might smile at them and s- just think how wonderful they are. And there's some wonderful people in this room today. 
And there's some weird people in this room today. <laughs> and maybe you're both wonderfully weird. Uh, because we are a little bit different from each other. And that's a good thing. We have quirks of personality that, that we think are perfectly normal. And the people who've just turned and smiled at you might be smiling because they think, oh yeah, they're weird. <laughs> and uh, that's what being in the body's about. Being in church is great. Not being in the building, but being community together because actually we're different but God's put us together in this same place this passage that Paul writes he's telling us that we're diverse and yet we belong to each other there's an amazing passage in Galatians 3 I, I haven't put it on the screen but you can look it up another time or take a note it's Galatians 3 it says this it's verse 27 to 28 For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs. And God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Those three categories, he mentions Jew, or Greek, or Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female. There were almost three dividing lines that people were separated by. And Paul's saying, you're one in Christ and together you're one. There's a unity there that wasn't possible before Christ and now is possible. And there's a belonging to each other that's been enabled by what God has done. And those dividing walls between Different types of people where you look around in your room and go, well, they're different. Actually, the whole point is those walls have come down in Christ and we're one. We're united together and we belong together. The picture Paul's got here is that we, it's not just that we belong to Jesus. I don't know if you can see that right at the bottom of the screen. We're many parts of one body and we belong to each other. So the belonging isn't just we individually come to church and we individually relate to God. And then we individually go home again. And, uh, and we know it's better being together, but that's about it. We actually belong together. You remember Rob's sermon a few weeks ago on community and that sense of belonging. He's put us together. And it's in that context that we read about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We, we all matter in this belonging. Paul says this, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We all matter. There's a, several pictures of the church in the Bible, and, and all of them are corporate. All of them are, talk about being interconnected. One of them is, is of a building. I've chosen a, a house, a very complicated, no, a very simple house picture on the wall for you here. Now, I want you just to imagine a building, a house, uh, and the, I'm not a builder, um, but a building, uh, the houses you live in are made up of all sorts of different parts. You can see a chimney. There'll be a chimney pot on top of that. The chimney will be lined. The chimney's probably made of brick. Um, it's got cement between the bricks. Uh, the roof will probably have some form of tiles on. Uh, underneath the tiles will be some kind of membrane that's, that's just stopping any drips of water coming in. And they'll be on roof, whatever they are, trusses, thingies, bits of wood. Um, and, and they'll be held together by other uh, metal pieces that are clamped together or nailed together. And so all, I've only done the roof so far. But you can work on down the building and underneath is a foundation. Now, which are the bits that are most important? Foundations? 
well, the foundation's great. Because, of course, if you don't have a foundation, you can't build on top of it. But if you've only got a foundation, it's pretty miserable living there. <laughs> so which bit's most important? All of it. Uh, the bit that's most important to you personally, and if that's your house, is the bit you don't have. Because if you haven't got a roof, the roof is suddenly very important. But most of us have managed this week without thinking about our roofs very much. One or two of you may have to do a bit of work on the roof, but most of us haven't thought about our, our plumbing. I don't mean personally, I mean our house plumbing. Because generally speaking, it's just worked. Or our electrics have just worked. You go and you, put a switch, you turn a switch and, and the light comes on or something changes. Or if you're one of these people who's got a connected home, you ask Alexa to do it for you three times. And maybe the right light comes on. But it just works. And it's when it doesn't work that you notice there's something missing. And what Paul's saying in this passage is actually you all belong and you all matter. And it's when something's missing that you really notice. It's when the part isn't performing its normal function that you really notice. It's the same if you bash something, isn't it? And you bash your toe and you've got a bruise or you bash a finger. You don't notice individual toes until you've broken one. And then it really stands out. It really affects you. It's really important that we recognize each one of us has a special function. That's partly because it gives us value, but it also stops us comparing with one another. And comparison's dangerous. There are some brilliant people in this room. Some people who you would look at and say, wow, I'm not like them in that regard or this regard. And sometimes you find those people who you don't feel like you're like in any regard. There's a one of those, particularly in the New Testament, and, and some people did try and compare themselves with him at one point and got themselves in trouble, and it's a man called Barnabas. And he's, he's just brilliant. I don't know if you've ever read Barnabas' story and connected the different bits of how amazing this guy is. He's, it's not even his name. His name's Joseph. But it's his nickname. And his nickname, Barnabas, son of encouragement, is used all throughout the, the book of Acts. And we first come across Barnabas when he's giving some money away. And so you might think, oh, well, he's got the gift of generosity. He's giving stuff away. And we later come across Barnabas, this son of encouragement, who's obviously also got the gift of encouragement because he's called son of encouragement. He's good at encouraging people. When he's coming alongside Paul and he's rescuing Paul and we then come across Barnabas when he's described as a prophet and a teacher. And we then come across Barnabas when he's sent as an apostle. And we then come across Barnabas when he's, he's patching up conflict. You think, Barnabas, this guy's just a hero. He's got everything. He's not only generous, he's an encourager. He's a prophet, a teacher, an apostle. He's, how can I be like Barnabas? And there are people you might look at and you go, I'm not like them. That's not the point. We mustn't compare ourselves. But Paul is saying all of us have a special function in the body. There's no competition. You can't all be like Barnabas, but that's okay. The main piece is this, that we all play a part. Now, this Sunday, we've already seen different people bringing words from God. We've seen different people using different abilities to unpack the word of God for us, like Andrew was earlier. Um, last week, I, I stood at the back and observed as Groups of people across the room were praying together. Rebecca was praying particularly because she said a testimony about healing and was then praying for folk. But there were several other groups praying and it just warmed my heart to stand and watch and go, wow, this is great. This is what it's all about. This is people using their gifting and coming together and saying, come on, let's see God together now. You don't need to go and see a particular type of person or someone who's got a particular 
ministry, though that's good to do. You don't need to go and say, I wasn't praying for anybody. I couldn't see uh, the kind of formalized leadership of the church praying for folk. It was just people praying, and that's good. That's what it should be about as each person plays their part. And it excited me. These gifts that Paul goes on to speak about, and I will read this quickly. It says, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God's given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God's given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. If you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Do it gladly. Those gifts are great gifts to have. I don't believe it's a complete list. I think it's a, a sample list of some of the gifts that Paul's talking about. There are others too. But I want to say they're all gifts from God. So these aren't natural abilities. So some people are naturally happy and they might encourage you. That's not what Paul's talking about here. He's not talking about gifts of cooking or being particularly good with numbers or those sort of things. Those are also given by God. Your artistic ability, if you have it, is given by God. It's a gift of God. But he's talking here specifically about gifts that are given to build up the body, to make the body work well, to make it equipped and effective. Spiritual gifts that are given to all. They're not given to an elite few. Just, just imagine, that sometimes we, we look at familiar Bible passages and we, and we think, oh yeah, I've got all this. But just sometimes it helps to imagine the converse is true. So just imagine that for a moment that God only gave gifts to an elite few and the rest of us were just spectators. It kind of changes what church is all about. It changes why we're here. It changes the whole mission. Because actually what we do then, when, when we're trying to reach the whole world, what we actually need to do is is pray for God to raise up some missionaries and then we can send them and give them some money and we can pray for them and that's how it works, isn't it? Oh no, that's what we do. Maybe we've got this thought that there are only some who are specially anointed because actually we're all anointed and empowered. Maybe when it comes to encouragement, we, we don't encourage ourselves. We wait for the special ones to encourage and let them get on with it. Well, no, we can all trust God for an encouraging word in a moment but there are some people who are just supremely gifted at this gift of encouragement. These gifts are not just given to an elite few. They're given to all of us. But they're not given for us. So these gifts, if your gift is serving others, if you are a teacher, if you, God has given you the ability to prophesy, those gifts aren't given for you. They're given to you, but not for you. There's a danger when you receive, recognize, and identify a gift that you, you end up, Worshipping the gift. You end up being so pleased that you've got a gift and you start comparing your gift with others. And you say, well, I'm quite pleased I've got this gift, whatever that gift might be. And, uh, and you can end up just thinking that the gift is not only given to you, but for you. It's not. Any gift God gives is to serve others and to build the church, to equip other people for the body as a whole. This is not Britain's Got Talent distribution of gifts where... There's several thousand people in an audience and a few people on a stage doing something and everyone's going, oh, well done. Yes, well done, very good. We'll vote you through to the next round. Great. It's not like that. This is church where we all belong and we all get to play our part. We're not audience members. We're participants in God's kingdom. 
also just aware there are some jobs that need doing which you may not feel specifically specially gifted for but they still need doing now, one of these gifts that's listed is a gift of serving now if you don't particularly want that gift you'd much rather have a gift of leadership say rather than serving uh, I just need to burst that bubble because Jesus demonstrates leadership by serving puts on a towel washes the disciples feet today he might be on the toilet cleaning rotor and whatever else because that's how we lead we demonstrate through serving um, but there are some like serving that you might just say well I'm, I don't think I'm really wired for that I think I'll let those who are gifted to serve serve me because then they'll be using their gift and God will be blessing them and then I'll be blessed because I'm not serving. It doesn't work like that because there's still stuff that needs doing. Do you recognize that? If at home, there were three or four of you at home, maybe five of you, and you happened to decide that one of you was a prophet, one was a teacher, one was an encourager, one was a giver, and one was something else, and none of you had the gift of serving, who's going to do the washing up? But it still needs doing. There's stuff that needs doing. Yesterday I was out in the garden and I'm not a great gardener. And I was cutting bits of hedge and I think I cut some a bit too short and cut bits off. And I, it was really hot yesterday. It was a great day. And I, I was in the back so it was secluded and safe. And I took my T-shirt off. So I've got shorts on and my wellies on. I'll have a little tan like this across my knees, <laughs> which would be great. And so I'm there and I've got the he big hedge trimmer on, the big long one. And I, I'm not great at gardening. I discovered something else I'm not great at as well because I caught a glimpse of myself in the, in the <laughs> patio. And I thought, I look like... Uh, for a moment, I thought, oh, oh, what's that? Now, that's a bad sign to start with because most blokes, if we look in the mirror, we think, yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> but I, I caught an honest glimpse and I thought, oh, what's that? I look like a, a really white, skinny Poldark impersonator. <laughs> and so I was there with my hedge trimmer. And my shorts, it wasn't a good look. <laughs> Judith came out and she made a comment and then I told her what I thought and she just cackled at me. <laughs> it, was, it was like a polite laugh to start with and she thought, no, you're right, you do look like an absolute idiot. So I'm not about to offer you my gardening skills nor am I about to start male modelling because uh, neither of those things are my gifting. Uh, but some things just need doing. I was doing the gardening because it needs doing and serving needs doing and teaching and unpacking stuff needs doing. There's things that need doing and we have to get involved. But you know what it's like when you're doing something and, and it's just working. And you think, wow, I, I feel, feel great doing this. And we'll unpack that in another week or so's time when we're looking at how to know what your gifts are, how to uh, use them, uh, look at them in more detail. I'm just giving the bedrock today. But you know that moment when you're using God's gift in your life. Gifting it's not to a position, it's not to a title, and this list isn't exclusive. Um, probably really importantly is to say the gifts are for using. Paul says here, if you've been given these gifts, then get on and use them. If God's given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God's given you. If he's given you a gift to serve others, serve them well. Do it. Just put it into practice. All of us have received different gifts from different people at different times, and the easiest ones to talk about are sort of aunties or uncles because they love you to bits, but sometimes the gifts they buy you are unusual. Or the gifts they knit you are unusual. Uh, for those of us old enough to have received knitted gifts from aunties when we were growing up. Uh, some of the youth are looking at me going, no, not a clue what you're talking about here. Um, but 
just bear with me on this. And sometimes you get a gift, and it's lovely, it's been heartfelt in giving, but you don't quite know what to do with it. You're not even sure what it is sometimes. Um, and like, that's, that's lovely, thank you so much. That's, that's really kind. And you put the gift away somewhere, and some of you will have reciprocal arrangements with relatives who live a distance away, where they give you their gifts for you to pawn off in the local charity shop, and you give them your gifts to put in their local charity shop. So none of your friends that may have given you the gift bump, go into the same charity shop and bump into the gift they gave you. It's a great scheme. Um, but you may, you may give it to a charity shop. You may put it in a drawer somewhere. But it's an unwanted gift. And sometimes my concern is that God's given us gifts. And for all sorts of reasons, sometimes lack of teaching, lack of encouragement, lack of opportunity, we... we even to understand what our gifting is, we, we receive gifts from God and we, it's as if we've put them away. And some of us haven't even realized we've done it, but there might be an, a gift that maybe we would want one day if we knew we had it. Uh, and my encouragement is to look at the gifts God has given you. And if you've got a gift that you know you've had from God, one of these ones in this list, read the Romans 12 chapters. Uh, Six to, verses 6 to 8, or read with 1 Corinthians 12 or 14, unpack some of these gifts that Paul writes about and read them and go, well, has God given me this gift? And if you're not sure, have a go at something. Try encouraging somebody. A gift of teaching. Come alongside someone and, and encourage them and open up something of God's word. Or bring us something of blessing into their lives and see what the response is. If there's a good response, it's possible there's that gift in you. If it's a good response to your encouragement and someone genuinely is encouraged, have another go. If they run away sobbing, then maybe, maybe ask somebody else what they see your gift as being because it might not be encouragement after all. But they're for using. You know, in my devotions, just I think it was just yesterday I was reading through about Josiah and in his reign where the book of the law is uncovered. And it's incredible. In the temple where the priests uncover the book of the law. Uh, and, and I'm just wondering, how had, they been, how had they been fulfilling their function as priests without the book of the law? But I guess they were just going on some kind of received wisdom and tradition and history. And somebody had showed them what to do. And they'd got into a pattern of doing things a certain way. And this book of the law is brought to Josiah and, and the king. And he is weeping and tearing of clothes and repenting before God as he says, God. How, how could we not know this stuff? And uh, the nation is brought in a great reform as they unpack the word of God and start putting it into practice and start restoring things the way they should be and living the way God said. And Jesus has given us such incredible gifts. Uh, spiritual gifts I've been talking about, but the word of God is an amazing gift. If you've got a Bible, read it. Get into it. If, you, if you've got an opportunity, even for a moment, to spend time in the presence of God each day, do it. Because God's presence is a gift to us. He doesn't want to meet with us just to give us a load of jobs to do. He wants to do what Nat was talking about earlier, which is has a feast prepared for us. That was a word for at least one person here. You may, no, I don't know if you're willing to. Would you be willing to pray with somebody afterwards? Okay, so if, you, if that word was for you earlier about transitioning from just living on crumbs to living in a feast... You can ask Nat and he'll pray for you afterwards. He'd be pleased to. But time in God's presence is an incredible feast. So use it. Use the gifts that God gives for building up the church. Finally, 
I'll close with this. Uh, Paul lives this out. And this, this church he's writing to in Romans is amazing. He, he, he writes this letter and he finishes off with a whole list. It's a thank you list right at the end, a list of greetings. And I'm not going to go through them all, but there's just a couple on here as he starts off. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, who's a deacon in the church in uh, Kenkria. Welcome her in the Lord as one who's worthy of honor amongst God's people. Help her in whatever she needs, for she's been helpful to many and especially to me. Give greetings to Priscilla and Aquila. Here they are again. They're turning up again, these folk who taught Apollos. My co-workers in the ministry of Christ Jesus. Uh, in fact, they once risked their lives for me. I'm thankful to them, and so are all the Gentile churches. This couple have obviously had a huge, huge impact. Also greetings to the church that meets in their home. Greet my dear friend Epineptus, and so he goes on. There's a whole list of people, uh, 24 I think in this list, that he's listing here and saying these people are important. And I've just got these here just simply to show that the ministry we read, the letters we read in the New Testament, when we're reading about Paul's letter to this, Paul's letter to that, Paul's letter to the other, Peter's letter to this, John's letter, we read about just a few people. And yet the church is alive and vibrant and full of people using their gifting. People doing different things, using the gifts God's given them to be a blessing. Most of the commentators I read seem to think that Phoebe, the reason that Paul's writing and he's commend, needing to commend her to the Romans, is that, and he says, welcome her in the Lord as worth, the one who's worthy of honor, is because she's actually the one carrying Paul's letter and taking it to, to the church in Rome. So she's been entrusted with bringing the letter and saying, here you go, this is from Paul. So that's why he's saying, welcome her. And uh, so there's, there's all these different people in this. She couldn't have used the post, they couldn't use the postal service. It, it didn't work in the same way. It couldn't email it, so it needed to be carried by somebody. Um, and there's this, all these different people involved in bringing their best, bringing their gifting for the glory of God. Let me, let me sum up just by saying this. God has given us gifts. We need each other. We belong together as one church as a group of people from different backgrounds and with different stories, different skills, abilities given by God. And all of us together can build each other up as we use our gifting to serve and bless others. Today, my encouragement and challenge is, is this. Be thankful for the gifts God has given you, even if you're unsure what those might be. If you are unsure what those might be, Ask somebody you trust who may be here. Say, what do you think my gift might be? If you really don't know, that's a great place to start. And let someone else tell you what they see in you. If they're not sure, it might just be they don't know you well enough or there's something else that needs to be worked through. Then ask someone else. But let God show you and thank God. Secondly, determine to use those gifts that God has given. And bring your best and keep bringing your best. Even when you don't see a result, keep bringing it and determine to use it in a new way. Don't, thirdly, don't compare yourself with anybody else. Next time I speak, not next week, but the week after, we'll look at a bit more detail about the gifts and how we use them and how we put them into practice, how to grow in them and all that sort of stuff. But for the moment, let's pray and let's thank God for what he's done in our lives. Father, we 